The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, today our show is about a modern awakening, instigating change in an era of global renewal. I have this wonderful book in front of me called Ken Show, and that's the subtitle that I just said. And, and I love the cover here. It's got like the earth, like like a marble, just in this beautiful, showing us all as really one, 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 one world, right? And it's by Susan Steinbacher with uh, Joanne Moyle. So let me tell you a little bit about Susan Steinbacher. She's an internationally acclaimed businesswoman and executive coach. She's a speaker and author, and she's the CEO of Steinbacher Steinbacher and Associates. And that's a management consulting firm that provides professional development services in such areas as executive coaching, group facilitation, leadership training, and more. And she's also the co-founder of this wonderful institute called the Institute for Heart-Centered Leadership. And that teaches the core principles and virtues of transformational leadership, which includes such things, the very important things in our lives, care, concern, honesty, and humility. She is co-author of Heart-Centered Leadership, An Invitation to Lead from the Inside Out, and Roadmap to Success, and Straight Talk from America's Top 10 Speakers. Susan's new Amazon best-selling book, Ken Show, that I talked about, which the uh, subtitle is A Modern Awakening, Instigating Change in an Era of Global Renewal, is really a business book that goes into the personal development of each person in, in the business world. She has also been featured on MSNBC, Your Business, Fox, and NBC, uh, NBC TV, as well as numerous radio shows like ours, and Fortune, Small Business Magazine, Women's Day, CBS Money Watch, and cnn.com you can find out more about her at our website at conflicthealing.com where where you'll see her picture and her bio and we are also linked to her website at steinbrecher that's s-t-e-i-n-b-r-e-c-h-e-r.com so thank you so much susan for for joining us we sure appreciate it thank you it's a pleasure to be with you so this is a great book what what led you to write this book well, you know, to be honest, it's one of those situations where I kept feeling and seeing so many people in flux, I would call it. They're, it. It's that sense that 
the, I like to use the analogy that the earth is sort of shaking underneath our feet and we're trying to get our footing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's so many people going through so much change and therefore often feeling a lot of pain associated with that. And what I wanted to do was to say, listen, we're going through a lot of change, but there's a major silver lining to this. And so it was important to me to put out something that was inspirational and enlightening, and hopefully people would gravitate towards that and say, yes, there's a lot of change, but there's a lot of really good things happening as a result of that change. And it is that invitation to really look at our lives and to look at what we want to do differently. So that's the reason. And, you know, it's so important that we have a mental shift. I mean, we see the economy has challenges. We see a war-torn world in many places. We see a, a lot of negative stuff. We have to change the way we think. We have to go from the inside out, and that's what you talk about, which is really my philosophy as well. So I really enjoyed this book so much because we have to start thinking differently so that the you know what we think inside creates a different outside, right? Absolutely. I always say to clients that the event is just the event. It's the meaning we put upon it that creates all the drama. And, you know, I like to say to folks, listen, we, three different people could witness, let's say, the scene of a car accident. And one person looks at that and they're, you know, jumping out of the car and going, oh my gosh, I need to get out. I need to go help that person and call 911. And they would react like that. A second person could drive by that particular car accident scene and say, gosh, wow, this person's probably not going to have a good day today and maybe I can help and maybe get out of the car to help. And the third person would drive by and say, boy, what an inconvenience traffic is today. This person's just now inconvenienced me and I'm not going to get to work on time. The car accident is still the same, but how we viewed it creates all that drama and internal stress, if you will. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I understand you're a mediator as well, like me. So mm-hmm. what kind of conflicts do you usually come in to resolve? My focus is on the business community. So, for example, I was called in once because there was a small company, uh, family-owned, and it was a situation where the chairman and the CEO, which happened to also be father and son, so this was tricky, <laughs> mm. were uh, not on the same page. And unfortunately, what was happening to the whole organization is that half, half of the people in the organization were taking sides of the CEO and half were taking the sides of the chairman. You can imagine the disruption that created for the company in terms of having any kind of strategy to move forward and actualizing any kind of vision. It was very disruptive. So when I went in and I thought, okay, not only do we have two key executives not on the same page, we also have this father and son dynamic. So that was one of the things that I went in and mediated, and they both learned a lot about each other and created opportunities and ways and signals to alert each other when somebody was crossing the line. And that was for not only their own sake personally, but for the business's health and as well as everybody working there. So that would be an example in a business setting where I've been come in to help resolve conflicts and get two leaders on the same page. It was so interesting when you say not crossing the line. It was all about boundaries, isn't it? Boundaries are such a huge (laughs) issue in mediation and conflict resolution when we respect each other's boundaries, which obviously that that wasn't happening until you came in to help them see that. That that is correct, and we even had to have the son say to the father, let's create a signal that when you are coming at me three and four times with the same message, and I really did hear it the first time, I'm going to actually give you a signal that says, I have heard you. 
Yes. I mean, it literally got down to that in order for this for them to work more effectively together. Yeah, that works well with uh, with spouses too. <laughs> Right, it does. <laughs> it does with that. Yeah. Now, you know, you talk about conflict resolution in in the workplace, and we all know it requires a lot of negotiation skills and and emotional intelligence. So, why don't you talk to us about what you mean by emotional intelligence and why it's such really an important skill that we all have to develop? Absolutely. I mean, when we think of emotional intelligence, I guess by definition, it's that ability to identify, number one, and assess and control your emotions and of others as well. And yes, one does not necessarily control other people. I realize that, but it's setting the stage or influencing in such a way to where perhaps that can take place. But certainly it is controlling your own emotions and knowing when to express something and have the appropriate boundaries that we just talked about. And I think what happens is people go into conversation and they have what I call their mental model showing. What a mental model is is prevailing beliefs that we have taken on over our lifetime because we have, meaning we go through certain life experiences and based on those life experiences we come to believe certain things. We adopt certain belief systems and certain values, if you will. When we show up in a conversation, we're bringing all of that with us. And guess what? So is the other person. So often they're not aware of that. And, and so half the time we're into all this emotional space and not really dealing with the, if you will, practical issues at hand. But you can't really access the practical issues until you realize that this is a human being that is, is having their own pain and suffering, as you may be, and are you approaching this in a win-win collaborative space, or are you here to win and have that person lose? So what is your intention? And the power of that intention is really critical here. Because if you're going into, I'm going to win and that person's going to lose, they're going to feel that. They're going to sense that in your body language and in your tone of voice. They're going to feel that they have to defend everything that you say. Whereas if you go in with this intention of, listen, I need to win in this, but I also want this person to win in this, that's going to come across in their body language and tone and expression of words. And therefore, you have a much more greater chance of achieving a win-win outcome if you're coming in with that actual intention. Right. And I would imagine that maybe with the father and son, there was this power struggle where dad says, you know, I'm the father, you know, (laughs) and, 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 you know, because I know from having children myself, you know. That it has to be like the win-lose. But, yeah, I think people don't recognize, I know when I'm in mediation, people don't recognize that what the, that they're, they're missing their true, their true needs, their true interests, because they're so into their ego that their ego has to win. And, and that's so sad because, you know, they, they're, what they're doing is they're really self-sabotaging, getting what yeah. they want. And that's the part that, you know, is so important to really be, understanding about, well, why are you thinking this way? You know, what, what is it that you really, really want? And is what you're saying or doing conducive to get that, right? That's right. Absolutely. I love what you said about that because, again, it's being mindful and aware and conscious of what is really happening in this conversation not what appears to be happening, but what is really happening. Because <laughs> there is this whole hidden, I think, of the iceberg effect, right? You think of an iceberg, and what do you see? You see the tip of the iceberg that emerges from the water. 
but the mass of that iceberg is underneath the surface that nobody's seeing, but mm-hmm. it's there, right. and it's running the show. And so awareness of that, consciousness of that, calling that out, the white elephant in the room, if you will, uh, will further speed things along. And to your point, keep the ego out of this, because if this is about winning and losing, you're going to have a big battle here versus I want my needs met, I'd like this person's needs to be met, and I believe we can co-create a solution that's going to actually do that. Right. And, and sometimes people have gotten so into the ego that that becomes the need itself instead of the underlying reason. You know, they, right. they, they're not in touch with it. So, you know, you talk about two fundamental needs to consider when, you know, when you're getting into an, any dialogue. You want to talk about, we started to talk about the ego and the practical need. So, right. so what is the approach then? Well, I always I say to folks, listen, there's two primary needs that every human being has that has to be met in, in a, any kind of a dialogue, any kind of a serious conversation dialogue. And that is that this person, like it or not, has an ego need that will need to be met or a personal need that need to be met. And you meet that, uh, and what that really is, is I, I need my ego need or my, my personal need is the need to be respected, the need to be heard, the need to be listened to empathize with, included, those kinds of things, involved. Then there's this whole other need that is the actual, what I call the practical need, which is the purpose of the discussion in the first place. What is the issue we're trying to get solved? What is the question that needs to be answered? And so there's two needs that need to be met. If you go into that interaction fully focused only on this question that needs to be answered or this problem that needs to be solved, and you forget about or don't even include or think about the fact, how do I get there through meeting this ego need, it's going to come across very curt and very abrupt because it's going to be focused strictly on, let's get down to business and get this thing solved. Right. Well, guess what? You're not going to get it solved like that because the window, the door opening that's going to even invite you to get the issue resolved is going through the ego need to do so. So it's maintaining self-esteem, showing respect, empathizing, listening, showing that you genuinely care about the individual. Those are the kinds of things that's going to buy your way through uh, getting the actual issue resolved. You know, and a lot of people don't know how to do that. You know, one of the things that that we always talk about in, in mediation is, you know, first we have to understand the other side before we can meet those ego needs and the other needs. We have to That's first, right. you know, it's like seek first to understand. Yes. And, and and when you get into a conflict, and one of the things that is always important, at least for the mediations that I go into, is to even ask people, what's really important to you? What do you really need from this? Right? Absolutely. Great questions to ask. <laughs> yeah, open-ended questions. Like, what do you really need? What, you know, how, how would it feel? You know, what what would, you know, and then, of course, I always ask individually, you know, how would it feel if you could resolve this today? How do you see it resolved? How do you see it resolved in a way that you think the other parties are going to buy into it? So, you know, that's getting people to start thinking outside the box that's in their head, you know? That's right. And, and getting them out of the, I want to make sure this person's in pain. I want to make sure this person's punished for what they've done to me. I want to make sure, you know, yeah. it gets them out of the revenge cycle, which so often happens in both personal and professional relationships, which means they're going in with the intention of punishing. They're not going in with the intention of actually solving. 
which we can all predict what's going to happen if you go in with the intention of punishing. And, and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, work. it's so funny that you're saying this because I have a meeting today and one of the people that I'm speaking with that's going to be at this meeting, I said, you know, there's been some conflict on this board. And I said, okay, so we have to go in with the intention that we're going to heal this. And she goes, I'm... You can do that, but I'm in the intention of, of getting retribution. <laughs> oh, there it is. I know. And I said, oh, come on. We don't really want it. You know, that isn't something that's going to feel good. What else can you be? You know, what else can we do? So that's, that's um, you know, that's a problem when somebody is in that place. It's hard to get them out of it. Yes, they're, they're in anger, no question about it. And all this boy, this so reminds me of a conversation I have with a friend and I, you know, I can go three years back, and I remember when her and her husband were going to be divorcing, and she was absolutely all about, I, I want to punish this person. I want full revenge for him doing what he did to me. And I kept saying to her, how do you think that's going to play out? How are you going to win from that scenario? Right. How is he going to win from this scenario? How is your child, by the way, that's caught in the middle going to win from this scenario? Right. She just would not listen to me. Well... Two years later, they uh, thought they had a settlement, and now they're about ready to go back in again because now he doesn't want to pay the child support that he agreed to. They're going back in again. She ended up with breast cancer in the middle of it. No mm, surprise to me. Right. Um, she's fully recovered from that, and I had a conversation with her just two days ago, and she says, you know what? I think I finally heard what you were trying to say to me a couple of years ago, and I've learned a lot about myself. And I said, yes, you're both $100,000 into attorney fees right now, the child's seen a child psychologist. This thing is still not resolved. You just recovered from breast cancer. Once again, the question is, how does it serve you to go in with the intention of revenge? Exactly. It doesn't. And I, I realized that maybe I figured something out, and, and she hadn't at this time. I went through a re- divorce after 25 years, not expecting that to happen, but $62 later, we were finished. Yes. I'm not kidding. <laughs> $62 later, both of us shared one hour uh, we're actually one half hour of an attorney's fee. We did all the paperwork ourselves. We had two businesses and properties, so it's not like it was an easy situation, and we still got it resolved. Why? Because we both held the space that this is about, even though this is a painful journey, we're both going to be better off. We have to assume that, and it's about really coming to peace with the situation so that we both growth-wise can move on. And so that this can get resolved in a peaceful, amiable way so we can maintain some kind of relationship after, and we've done that. Yes, and that's, that's beautiful. Co- that's that- it, and it did, it did, well, my point of that was just to say that's the difference of intention. Yes, yes. Going and, in. And, and when they come to me as a mediator, and I do divorce mediation as well, when they come to me, and that's one of the first things we talk about is that intention. And then, of course, they can at the end of the when we've you know divided all the property, dealt with the custody and child support, et cetera. At the end, they can they can really forgive each other. They give it up. You know that's the problem is that people don't know how to forgive, and they think that if they get revenge, that it is it's going to do something to the other person. But what it really does is to yourself, and that's why a lot of people do get cancer. It's like every cell of your body listens into that anger. And get That's sick, right. and get That's sick, right. and so yeah, it's it is it is really sad, and this is what I'm trying to help my friend before I get to this meeting today to just say, you know, how is this really going to help you? 
How is That's this right. really going to help you? Because I care about you, and I don't, and I don't think this is going to be helpful for you. So, what do you think you should do differently? But you know, that's right. You know, and here's the one thing I know for sure: as long as there is a victim or a villain, there will be unhappiness. There will not be peace. Right. As long as there are a victim or a villain, there will not be peace. That is for sure. Yes. And so, whether you think you're the victim and they're the villain, it doesn't matter. Either one equals unhappiness. Exactly. And, and hopefully we, you can have your friend see that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, life is too short for all this stress, you know? Right. And, and this conflict that doesn't get resolved, conflict in itself is not bad. I mean, it, it is a signal that there are, there's differences of opinion. There's a signal that maybe there's a need for change, but it doesn't necessarily have to escalate into... A, a battle that is very painful. It can escalate into something that is really problem-solving, creative, solution. Yeah, I love that you said that because you're right. There is this piece, and a lot of folks are conflict avoidant because they, they look at that and they say, oh, I don't want anything that's going to be uncomfortable and doesn't feel good, and so therefore I'm going to avoid it at all costs. Well, to your point, there is a positive side of conflict. When you think about it, look at nature. When conflict arrived, an erosion of the soil or of the earth created some magnificent and beautiful nature scenes, if you will. So it isn't always have to equal that. In our, it's how you look at it. If you look at it, like, isn't this interesting? This is happening. This is allowing me the opportunity to grow. This is allowing me the opportunity to do some change that I know deep down, down in my heart I need to make. If I approach it that way, again, with a positive intention, you're going to go down a very different path. Exactly. We are speaking with the author of Kensho, A Modern Awakening, Instigating Change in an Era of Global Renewal by Susan Steinbarker. Susan, so, you know, you talk about three rules of engagement. You want to talk about what those are? Yes, those three rules of engagement are the tool that helps you really meet that ego need or that personal need somebody has. And the first one is deeply listening. I mean, truly listening with, with watching the person's body language, tone of voice as well as words spoken, and responding appropriately with empathy. And with empathy, I mean putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It doesn't mean sympathy, feeling sorry for. It means even if I've not gone through that experience, it's imagining what it would be like to go through that experience. So that's what I mean by with empathy. And it doesn't mean, and here's the thing that trips everybody up. People say, but I don't agree with what that person's doing. And my answer to that is you don't have to agree to empathize. You don't have to agree with empathizing. You can still imagine what it's like to be in that position because from human being to human being, that's possible. So you don't have to agree to empathize, and it's not sympathy. The second is being involved, asking that person for their ideas, their opinions, their contributions, their thoughts. Well, when you do that, you not only have opened up the space uh, to really genuinely hear what they have to say, and you're offering that by asking the question and involving them, but you're also doing the third one, which is at least maintaining or affirming that person's self-esteem or pride. So you're basically saying, I value you enough to ask your opinion and to obtain your thoughts. That's a pride booster right there. 
And when you can be authentically, so this is not about faking this, this is about being authentic. When you can authentically point out something the person has done well and give them a genuine, heartfelt uh, compliment, if you will, appropriately so, that esteems people. And people want to feel valued, cared about, thought of, believed in, etc. So those are the three. It's that listening with the empathy, asking for their opinions, and, of course, maintaining or affirming that pride and self-esteem. Right. And sometimes it can just be, thank you so much for sharing that. It took a lot of courage. Absolutely. Even, even if you don't agree. I mean, you can, you can find a way. Yeah. So you can, and, and then, you know, because you don't want, you know, if you don't agree with what they're thinking or saying, you know, you don't want to be you know, disingenuous, you know, like you were talking about. So that's really important. You know, I think people need to know what can show means before we finish too. You know, you this why don't you talk about the uh the Zen Buddhism and, and what can show means? Thank you. Yes, Kensho, the word Kensho means awakening and or I like to say to gain sudden insight. Hopefully some of the things we've even talked about today <laughs> created that Kensho moment for people or created people to look at something and go, whoa, I never really thought of it like that. That's the Kensho moment. And again, with the book, each chapter is an independent chapter with an independent theme, meaning it's not a front-to-back read necessarily. You can pick up a chapter 20, interview people all over the world, some famous, some not, really wanting to share their stories and their examples and their and their knowledge of things that they're doing, some amazing things that they're doing out in the world amongst all the chaos and change that we're all feeling. And and so I wanted that to be that inspiration point. I want people to see what was possible. And so that's why when you think about 20 chapters and the collection being really about taking care of self, others, and the planet, I wanted something in that, that would really say, let's wake up to what is possible. Let's wake up to the silver lining that the gift that all of this chaos that people are feeling is providing us if you'll just take a look at it. And, and that's what Kensha means, and that's the, the message I was hoping to get across in the book. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's funny that uh, we are in such similar wavelengths. In fact, I have a, a, a program that we do, I do with another friend. It's called The Gift of Conflict. <laughs> oh, love that. Yeah. Love that. Well, we have a, a, a little bit of time, not much. Um, I, do you think that we would have time for you to just go through the six steps of your resolution model? Could you do that sure, kind of quickly? Okay, Happy great. Happy to do that. And, right. and really, the, the first really is when you're ready to sit down and resolve something, you want to discuss the situation in a respectful manner. Example would be, you know, John, I noticed you've been late a few times this week. This seems out of character for you. Can you share with me what's going on? You know, second is be specific. Don't say you're always late. It's, I noticed Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you were 15 to 20 minutes late. The third step is to talk, discuss how that impacts you, others, the customer, the environment, whatever that is. The reason this is a concern to me, John, is that it impacts myself, the team, the customer, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Fourth is asking for a specific cause of the conflict. John, can you share with me what is happening? Because I could usually set my clock to you. This is out of character. Share with me what's happening. Are you okay? Fifth is asking for the solution. Well, now that I understand what's happening, thank you so much. What do you think is the best way to resolve this, knowing how important it is that you're here on time, as an example? And then the last is agree on the specific actions to be taken. And this is the step 
so often miss. We assume we hurt each other and we assume we communicated effectively. Right. More times than not, we have not. So it's, so you're going to do X and I'm going to do Y and this will be done by X date. Did I get that right? And then you're really finally, you're just ending on that positive note. Thank you so much for taking time. Really appreciate your contribution. Thanks for working this through with me. Perfect. Well, that is a great way to end. Well, Susan, thank you so much. And we will have you back again. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, Mary. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI. Also visit our website at conflicthealing.com and let us know what's important to you about conflict in your life and how to resolve it. Also, Visit and see our upcoming guests and download podcasts. Thanks. It's about trust. Yeah, yeah. It's about faith. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.